Welcome tonight to our evening service of worship. We're glad that you're in the house of the Lord, and we welcome you especially because this is a missionary meeting tonight, and we're very happy that our missionaries from the Czech Republic, the Schultz family, are with us, and we welcome them earnestly in the Lord's name. We're going to start our worship with number 392, 392. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My beauty are I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord. that's good singing tonight and a very blessed hymn to start our service of worship. There is not much hope in this world, and when people are grasping at anything they can hope to hold on to, to give them and secure some kind of hope, as a believer, we know in whom we have believed, and we know that there is no safer ground that we have to stand on than the foundation of our Lord Jesus. There is no safer place we have to be, and we're happy tonight that we have Christ as the solid foundation of our eternal soul. Let's come to the Lord now, please, in prayer, and just commit our meeting and our service to Him. Father, it is once more a great joy and a blessing for us 
to be in the house of prayer and praise on the Lord's day. Father, we lift our hearts in worship, in thanksgiving, acknowledging that everything we have received has come to us very graciously and full from the mercy of our God. And so, Lord, tonight we lift up our Ebenezer, our thanksgiving, our praise, and we give thanks for every mercy that has come to us. We exalt our Lord Jesus tonight, and we are thankful for everything that our Savior has done for us and for all that he means to our hearts. We can say tonight, Father, that without shame or apology, that we love him because he first loved us. And we love our Lord Jesus, and we don't want to ever be ashamed of him. We pray that the world will know that we have been to Jesus that our lives will be a living testimony, a light shining in a very dark and evil time. I pray, Father, that we will encourage one another and that we will be lights and blessings to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pour out your Spirit mightily upon us in this fellowship and let the testimony and the witness of the gospel go forward with great power from every single believer connected to this worship. Father, we don't want any praise or any glory to come in our direction. We want to be good reflectors, Lord. We want to be those who reflect the beauty of our Lord Jesus. And we want our lives to be those which would cause people to gravitate toward Christ. And Lord, make use of us to that end. We know not how much time we have left. We're thankful for every day that we have been given. And Lord, help us to use our time wisely. Help us to give ourselves for the Savior's kingdom and for his honor and glory. And I pray, Father, that the times when the devil would come with his temptations, that we would hold firmly the shield of faith, whereby we will be able to stop all the fiery arrows of the wicked one. Lord, make us strong. Help us to stand firm in this evil day upon the solid foundation of Christ Jesus. Thankful for this opening hymn. Lord, We have no other ground that we can stand on. This is the solid ground of our redemption, of our everlasting salvation. And Father, as we were thinking this morning, rejoicing for that everlasting covenant that has been made by you, our Heavenly Father, with us, so undeserving are we. And yet, Lord, we have been saved We have been redeemed, we've been forgiven, and we know that we have received that everlasting and gracious pardon, that abundant pardon from our great God. Lord, we are a blessed people. I pray that the gospel message of good news 
would be received by everyone here in this place of worship and everyone watching the services online. Maybe someone, Lord, has come by what they think would be an accident or by chance to tune in tonight or maybe even come in the church in person. Let the word of truth and the gospel of power grip the heart and bring souls to trust in Jesus. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. We are thankful, Father, for the visit of our dear friends from the Czech Republic. And Lord, we pray a mighty blessing would be upon each one of them, that you would undertake for them in their lives, ministries, everything that they are engaged in. And we pray that the work that they are doing for the Savior in the land of the Czech Republic, that, Lord, you would bless it and multiply it, and there would be a great ingathering of souls. We know the gospel has gone forward faithfully. Many souls have been witnessed to, and we're thankful for those that have come to trust in Christ as their own. But, Lord, bless and bring in yet a mightier harvest. Hear our prayer. Remember those in our own congregation who are sick. Bless them, Lord, tonight. Some in hospital, some set aside. We pray your hand will be upon them. Remember uh, Dr. McClellan tonight. Undertake for him and help him in hospital. And we pray for others who have very specific needs. We think of our sister, Barbara Nichols, tonight. And we ask for your blessing and hand to be upon her at this time and for Debbie as well, and just help every single family, no matter what the problem is, Lord, whether great or small, pour out your Spirit and your blessing, give answers. We would ask, Lord, speedy answers to our prayer, and yet we submit ourselves to your perfect will in all things. Father, bless us, make use of us, carry us forward, to be a very bright witness in a dark time. Father, we think of those who are bent on evil and their agenda is only underlined by greater and greater sin and wickedness. We pray, Lord, that you would deliver us from ungodly and unreasonable people. Save us from strange children. O oh God, help us, we pray, pouring out your blessing mightily upon all of our works, whether they are local here in Canada, United States, any and all of our missionaries. Father, bless every single faithful tongue that is exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers, fill our hearts with joy and thanksgiving, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 353 will continue in our worship, and it is the hymn, He Lifted Me, and we want to stand as we sing to the Lord now.
Amen. Well, friends, if you know the Lord tonight as your Savior, then you'll be able to say this with all your heart. I know that he lifted me because if we tried to lift ourselves, it would be an impossibility. It would be like trying to lift yourself up with your own shoe laces. You can't do that. And that's only a very weak human illustration. But thank God he is the one who came down, grabbed hold of us, lifted us out of our sinful estate, placed us on the foundation, the rock of our everlasting Redeemer. And we know tonight it is well, it is well with our souls. So we welcome you this evening to our worship service. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have more of a missionary flavor tonight as we're looking forward to the ministry, the Schultz family, and uh, a report from our brother, uh, Pastor Mila Schultz, and him bringing the word to us this evening. So we're looking forward to that. We have been praying and for their time as they have come here to Canada this time. They've been here for just over two weeks, or will be by the time they conclude. And they came for a really a threefold purpose. The time to come and do some deputation meetings, which they've been doing in our local churches and here tonight. And then also to be with us for our young adult conference. And that was a real blessing as they were here and participating and being with the others who were gathered. And then, of course, uh, for a time, a little time of holiday, a little time of break and a rest. And I'm afraid it has not been too much of a rest, as these holidays are always extremely busy. And these times when you come, so many people to see, so many things to do. And yet we trust it's been somewhat of a spiritual refreshment for each one of them as well. So we're very happy to have the entire family our brother, of course, and his wife, Martina, and their two older children, Milosh Jr. and Abigail. Uh, we mentioned uh, Dr. Schultz, Abby Schultz. She gave testimony last Lord's Day, and we were very thankful to hear that. And then also uh, the rest of their three children, uh, Timothy, Caleb, and Levi. And we're happy that each one of these folks have been able to be with us. It's a unique privilege because, of course, you know as families get older and they begin to go in their other own directions. It's hard to rally everyone for an occasion like this. We're very thankful in God's providence that he has enabled them all to be with us here tonight. So we welcome them and others who are visiting with us. We're very happy to have some who have returned again to be with us tonight in our evening service. We're very thankful for you being here, and if you're visiting our service online tonight for the first time, or maybe you've come back again, you're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. Mentioned about Dr. McClellan, he is in the hospital at this time, really undergoing some further testing. He went in to get some of those tests this morning, and they decided to keep him in for some further examination, so do remember him in prayer. It's good to see our sister Debbie was able to make it in tonight. She had her little rolly cart with her this morning with one leg up, and now she came in the crutches tonight, uh, but we're happy that she's safely through that foot surgery. Do remember her mom, Barbara Nichols, uh, in prayer. Uh, Barbara's going through some difficult times just at this moment, and I know she would greatly appreciate your prayers for her. 
others. We think of Anna Tan. We think of Isabel Glynn and Ted. We have to remember them in our prayers. And don't forget to pray for Reverend John Bodner. He's coming very near the edge of the River Jordan, as we often speak, and he will be united with his Lord and Savior. Our brother Bodner has very faithfully ministered the Word of God in his entire life, and uh, he is just now coming near the even times. Let me remind you, please, of our meeting this Wednesday. Our Bible study and prayer time will be at 7.30. Everyone is invited and welcome. Our prayer meeting meets downstairs in the basement, and you'll be welcome to attend our weekly prayer meeting. And then uh, next Lord's Day, our service is at the regular time, 11 in the morning, and then at 6.30 in the evening, and I trust to be bringing the word next Lord's Day. We do not have Sunday school per se during the summertime, but next Lord's Day there will be children's church for the boys and girls. They will be going downstairs during that time. Then on August the 27th, the last Lord's Day of the month, there will be fellowship time at the end of the evening service, but that's not the real purpose of the announcement. It's more so because we're having a sending service for uh, Brother Frank DiDerno, who will be departing shortly after that and heading down to Fredericton. That's not new news to some of you here in our church, but certainly we want to get behind our brother and his wife and family and pray for them and send them off with our best wishes and our prayers and encouragement to them and letting them know we will be holding them up in prayer as they go. If you would like to help support the work in Fredericton and our brother, that he may go there and not have to get employment on the side, that he might be able to devote himself fully to that work, then you could mark your offering envelope simply with Fredericton. And if you would also like to help our ministerial student, uh, Brother Simon, as he goes, as he continues, he's already commenced his theological training, and if you would like to give any assistance there, you could just mark your offering envelope, ministerial student, and we will see it gets directed in that way. We're very pleased that the family, the Schultz family, is going to be participating in the service at this time. And so we'd like to ask them to come now to the pulpit. First of all, the young men are going to be singing, bringing a ministry in song. They have two pieces they're going to sing. And our brother, Pastor Schultz, will be explaining about the second piece or the first one, not just sure how that's going to go. And then when they are finished ministering in song, they're going to come up to the pulpit here. Then Milos Schultz Jr. is going to stay and share with you a word of his personal testimony of how the Lord saved him and just what the Lord is doing in his own life at that point. And then when they have finished, we will sing another song and I will give an introduction to our brother Schultz. But gentlemen, would you please come now?
It is my privilege saying much more a little later. But just to introduce this hymn, we thought we would only sing one hymn, but we will sing this one as well. Uh, this one is in Czech. We will sing two stanzas in Czech. It will be a reminder to you of and the reality of a work in a foreign land, in a foreign language. It is a hymn that was written by a reformed man from the 19th century. We do not have too many hymns in Czech which have their origin in the Czech language. Many hymns that have been translated from English, some from German, and some from Czech. Many of them very old hymns, even from the time of the old Moravian or Czech brethren. But then there were some other hymns also from the 19th, early 20th century. This man Joseph Bashtetsky was a man who was a supporter of mission efforts by the Free Church of Scotland in the 19th century in Prague. They ministered especially to Jews in Prague and in other parts of Europe, Eastern Europe especially. I tried to translate, we will only sing two stanzas, but this is somewhat, or at least uh, the gist of these two first stanzas. Um, it doesn't capture, they're, they're wonderful stanzas, it doesn't quite capture it in English because it is very difficult to translate in meter into a different language and try to capture every word, every thought, but this is approximately what this hymn says. How to love thee more intensely, thee who gave all things for me. How to thank thee more completely, thee who bore my sin for me. That from thy throne, which in heaven, camest thou to this poor earth, so that Eden would restored be by thy blood, despite its dearth, the dearth of the earth. Sea of love, O dearest Jesus, what can I for all this give? In thy hands are all mine efforts, all I am and all I have. Nikdy 
nikdy zpět od pravdy tvé. It's a privilege for me to share just a few words of what the Lord has done for me in recent years. May it be for His glory and for your encouragement. I thank the Lord for the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and for being saved at an early age. That was not without its struggles. And at a young age, I remember struggling with the fact that my testimony did not have any real visible life-changing turning points which I could point to, as many others did, or even a specific date at which I first put my trust in the Lord. If that is your case today, I would encourage you to realize what a blessing that is and a mercy. And firstly, to look to, your, to the Lord and not to yourself for your assurance, but then to also look at what all he has done for you in your life. And what a blessing that is to have those unique experiences with the Lord as a believer. The Lord tells us that all things work together for good to them that love God. And what a blessing it is that each one of us can point to many times in our lives when we have seen that happen. My favorite verse uh, from... My days of track and field is Romans 9, verse 16, where we read, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It doesn't depend on how much we want something, how hard we try, even though that is important, but in the end it's up to the Lord to show mercy. And that is what describes my life. I was 12 years old when my parents felt the call of the Lord to the Czech Republic and moved there. I remember taking it very hard and really missing the life that we had here in Canada. When I look back, I understand more of what that meant for my parents and what a step of faith it was for them. Everything really went from a state of being very comfortable and stable and steady to being completely up in the air. I remember when we arrived in the Czech Republic, often considered the most atheistic country in the world, in opposition to all of any family that we had there, and we found ourselves with no one and in a very cold and unwelcoming society. But that was the center of the Lord's will for us, and that's the place of his blessing. And we can attest to that many years later. For my sister and myself, uh, the two oldest, we continued unofficially in our Canadian school curriculum, and that meant that we had no proper paperwork or possibility to go on to future further study. And even though that seemed impossible with the help of this church and the Whitfield Christian Schools, that was overcome. And as you heard last week, my sister is now a doctor, and I have a master's degree from one of the top business schools in Europe. Fifteen years now after our parents moved back, our international background and Christian work ethic has given us a unique advantage in the workplace and in the society that we are in. 
and I've been blessed with a job that would normally take many years to acquire. The Lord has blessed us greatly for the faithfulness of my parents and as an answer to your prayers, and we're very conscious of that. He's turned many weaknesses into strengths in a way that only his people can understand, and in many ways we cannot understand it to the full. And so I trust that that is to your encouragement as well, and I'd like to close with a verse and thought from commentator Matthew Henry, which spoke to me recently. And the verse is from Psalm 10. And it's the first verse. And there we read, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? And to paraphrase the commentary, Matthew Henry says that this feeling that we have here is exactly that. It's just a feeling. And it's our own fault. Because God is the same He never changes. He never moves. He's 100% consistent, and he's always standing in the same place, to use the words of this verse, standing afar off. Thinking God is afar off is judging by outward appearances. In reality, it is we who are standing farther off through our own unbelief. So may the Lord help each one of us to have that steady and constant faith in practice, and to stand close to him, just like he always stands close to us, and he will never disappoint us. Thank you. Well, what a blessing it was. Thank you, uh, Mickey Milos Jr., for sharing with us that testimony. And I don't know what that would have been like um, to see your whole future, in one sense, turned upside down as a young teenager, like he mentioned, leaving the um, a place of comfort, a place where there was a lot of future, at least it appeared to be that way, and yet that was changed very quickly, rapidly. But the Lord is no man's debtor, and the Lord promises them that honor me, I will honor. And God has, has fulfilled that so far, and he will continue to fulfill that. And that, that is a great blessing, and that's a great encouragement. And thank you also men for singing tonight. Uh, we had one of our trips on the Youth Young Adult Conference, and we were heading to Center Island. So I think I shared with you, we were all loaded on the bus and ready to go, and our brother Schultz was sharing a little devotional on the way, and that's probably the first time he's ever preached in a school bus, certainly a 20-year-old school bus. Uh, anyways, that was a very good thing. And then uh, the men sang at that time as well, and uh, that was a blessing, and so we enjoyed that. We're really looking forward to mother and daughter doing a duet. That would Oh, there's some head shaking here. That would be nice at the end of the service, but uh, maybe that's not part of the plan. But I know that uh, the gentlemen are going to be coming back at the end of the service as well to minister in song to you. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, please, number 357. 
357 will stand as we sing to the Lord. All that thrills my soul is Jesus.
We have had very special times of fellowship with our dear brother and sister and their family over the years, and of course this is their home congregation. And when they went out from us back in 2008, well, it's just about inconceivable how the years have passed so far, bar, so fast and so far past. If you have been with our congregation for any number of years, you will obviously have noticed a great change as the children have grown and young men, young women, and it's been a blessing for us to see the development and advancement in how God's blessing has been upon them. I know you have been praying for them, and I trust that even after the report tonight, you will be able to pray more specifically to the needs and the areas that are needed for the Lord's increase and blessing. But it's a real joy for me to renew fellowship with my dear brother as we have been friends in the gospel, friends in the Lord from the first time we met, from the first time really when he became a teacher in our school in Whitfield as he served there faithfully for many, many years. And we have stayed in, well, I say close contact spiritually. Sometimes the contact is not so much for, I'm not great at emailing the best of times. And uh, anyways, it's one of those situations where you're in the mind of the person, you're continuing, considering their work, uh, but we rejoice of these very, very special times to be together with the family. And uh, we had an enjoyable uh, fellowship during this past week. And so we want to commend them to the Lord and welcome our brother again to the pulpit. And you're very, very welcome, brother. We love you in the Lord. Did you turn that switch on? Now you've got it there now. Good. And you may the Lord bless you in your report and ministry tonight. I was just asked a little while ago by a good friend if I'm still nervous when I go up to the pulpit or if there's a sense of trepidation. That made me think of another man, a faithful man of God, who was in the pulpit for probably 50 years, and he came up to the pulpit, mighty man of God, and said, every time he ascends the pulpit, there's a sense of weakness. If that is not the case, you're in trouble. That's why the church is in such trouble today, because ministers, you can't really call them ministers, have become entertainers, and that's all they are. Very casual, very flippant, and everything that goes with it. I pray that we would never lose that sense of fear when we ascend the pulpit. May the Lord help us every minister as he comes to proclaim the Lord's word. So there is that sense of trepidation, and I pray that the Lord would help and bless each one who is gathered in the house of the Lord, and that we would know the Lord's presence and his voice speaking to us. That is what must be our desire, to hear the Lord's voice. The Lord has a message for you. 
You know, if you come to the church, and I've heard this before, uh, people leaving churches because, well, they weren't being fed. And just with uh, Reverend Simpson here, he addressed that issue as well. Look in the mirror, my friend. That's where the problem is. That's where the problem is. If there's a faithful man of God in the pulpit, oh, he's not perfect, and not every message is the way he would maybe imagine, and feels failure often, weakness, as I just expressed. But if you come in prayer, seeking the Lord's face, the Lord will have a word for you. So the problem is with you. That's the problem. And I, I tell our people that all the time. And, and um, it's, not that, it's not that they complain, but it's an admonishment or encouragement as well that uh, we seek the Lord and we're serious about the things of God. And if we come in prayer to the house of God and there is a man of God in the pulpit, and I trust there is, I believe there is, The Lord will have a word for us. The Lord will have a word for us. I pray that the Lord will give us a word today and encourage your soul. I always also find it very difficult to give a bit of a testimony, give a bit of a report, and bring a word. I just feel very distracted. Usually when I'm preaching, I can only think about the word. So please excuse all the imperfections. I jotted down some thoughts that I wanted to share with you about the ministry in the Czech Republic. It is hard to believe we have been there for 15 years. I came to the school in September. It it will be 26 years ago. And that's how the Lord led us ultimately to the church, to the denomination. Um, At that time, when I came to the church, I had no idea that one day the Lord would send me back to our land, which in many ways for me is a foreign land. I was a little boy in 1981, that's 42 years ago, when my father was called to a church, an ethnic work, a Czechoslovak Baptist church near downtown Toronto. And... um, 27 years later, the Lord called me to go back to our country in opposition to our own churches and as a voice of warning. The Lord called me with a verse from Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. I will read the Lord's word. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. That whole chapter is an amazing chapter, a very solemn chapter, where Ezekiel is sent to a people, not of a foreign language or a tongue that he didn't understand, but to his own people. And the Lord sent him to give warning. And this is what the Lord's call was. It was a very specific call. It was a great call. It was a solemn call. The Lord spoke to my wife days earlier with the same portion, completely separately from one another. We didn't know about it. The Lord had me come to her several days later when she wanted to share something with me. 
And it was the same portion of Scripture. She was in that portion of Scripture. It was in October, near the end of the year, reading daily. She just happened to be in that portion at that time. You think of the sovereignty of God and God's leading and His providential leading and the timing of everything where the Lord gave us that word and spoke to our hearts separately from one another and then confirmed it in a mighty way. If the call was in any ways uncertain, I would not be able to go. I look back to that, and it's always been a great encouragement to me. It was the voice of God in our life. And despite the various difficulties and challenges, and there have been many, and the loneliness of the work, the Lord has seen us through and has done great things for us. So this witness, this free Presbyterian mission in the Czech Republic is a witness against all apostasy, compromise, and worldliness in the church. That really sums it up. Now, I could spend, of course, even more than one message speaking of these issues. You know, we say these things, and this is proclaimed, that we stand against apostasy. Indeed, we do. I hope every true believer stands against apostasy. How could he not stand against apostasy? You might as well not call yourself a believer if you don't stand against apostasy. But do you stand against compromise in the church? And that's when it starts to be more complicated. What is that? What's compromise? Well, for some people it's this, and for some people it's not that. It's maybe this. For someone it's something else. Well, you will give account to God, first of all. But it's a serious issue. And I will tell you there's much worldliness in the church, and that's compromise. That's compromise. Ultimately, the Lord led me out of our former denomination because of contemporary Christian music. I will fight on that front. May the Lord help me, because I was delivered from that. It was, in our case, somewhat mild, but it was making greater and greater inroads. Dear young person, dear middle-aged person, older person, contemporary Christian music is carnal music, it's sensual music, it's fleshly music. And if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. That's what will happen. And I have been able to see that because I'm old enough now that I have for decades been able to observe young people who went that direction and who are now no longer 16. They're maybe 53, gone from the Lord. Now, for a long time, it seemed to be smooth sailing, but um, it was all just froth. It was not real. There was no real work of God, deep in their hearts. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap. What wonderful words those are. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. You know, the Lord's Word could have said blessing, and that is true. Everlasting life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
And that is what the Lord exhorts us to do, to sow to the Spirit of God, to live in submission to the Word of God, to walk in the fear of God. Now, that's a separate sermon I've preached on this, and that's, that's a subject that's heavy on my heart. There's a lack of fear, no understanding of that in the church today. Uh, I hope you have an understanding in your life of what that means, a fear of God. That you have some understanding. I don't have the quotation from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who in his exposition, in, his, in a number of sections in his exposition of the Sermon on the Mount, spoke of the fear of God. And he said in days past that this is writing his commentary from 60, 70 years ago. He's writing in his day that the Christian church has lost the fear of God. And before, one of the, the best description, descriptions of a Christian was that that was a man or woman that feared God. He said that really summarizes what the Christian life is, is all about. There's a great reverence for God. There's a great seriousness in the things of God. If you don't have that, you're in trouble. And when you do have that, does it ever purge the church of nonsense? I hope I don't have to explain that. That changes everything. My grandfather was a mighty man of God. Mighty man of God. He had a great fear of God. That was so visible in his life. And to this day, I benefit from that witness. My father benefits from that witness. And I have benefited from my father's witness. A fear of God. I've mentioned some things from his life, and I, I delight to mention things from his life, but speaking on the subject of the fear of God, you know, for some people, these would be trivial things. How do you handle your Bible? Like that is something your children observe. Is it just tossed around, lying on the ground, maybe? See, my grandfather made a big point of that, but he was not unique in that. Our forefathers... Oh, this book was a precious book for them. It had a special place. My grandfather admonished the church if he would see a Bible just lying about. That tells you something. Now, if the life of the individual is not consistent, it doesn't agree with that position, well, then it's just empty words. But if his life is a life filled with the power of God, that has an impact. And his life was full of the power of God. And that's how he handled the Bible. Well, that's how he approached prayer. And that's how he approached the house of God. Just last year, it's half a year ago, I got a call from a man who was an elder in my father's church, 
many years ago in, in the Czech Republic. And he just called me out of the blue. I haven't spoken to this man for many, many years to thank our family for how it has ministered to him. And then he reminisced and remembered my grandfather's witness in his life. He said he, there was a time he came up to give some announcements, and I'm not sure if he was an elder at the time or a deacon. He came up in a sweater. You probably know where I'm going with this. Well, my grandfather talked to him after the church and said, uh, my dear, he called him, it was a very, um, what's the expression in English? Well, it was a very loving way to, to address him by his first name. And he said to him, it's not really appropriate to go up behind the Lord's pulpit in that way. Listen, you come with me, and we'll get you measured up. And he, he got him measured up for a suit. My grandfather was a very generous man. And you know, the man, if that's all he had, that's, the Lord knows all that. But the reason I mention it, he went back to this moment in his life from 50 years ago, maybe. And he delighted in that testimony of that servant he sat under for most of his life. Because that's all he ever saw was the seriousness in the things of God. And in a loving way, he, a generous way, he helped him in this, in this particular instance. And he reminisced with thanksgiving. Let me tell you again, young person older person, it's not about your clothes, but I'll tell you something else. When you come to the Lord's house, may you come in a fear of God. And when you do, all of those things will be sorted out. And the Lord's name will be glorified. So, by the grace of God, the Lord's witness continues in our land and is a stand against all apostasy and compromise and worldliness in the new evangelical church and as a witness for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That even as there are those who reject in the church this witness, there are others who have never had the gospel who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We are very thankful to the Lord that even in the last couple of years, He saved a number of young people. And I'd like you to imagine the difficulty, the challenges in our land where everything in their environment militates against the things of God. How difficult that is. We had a young girl... That was saved um, a year ago. Maybe it's two years ago now. And everything in her life, mother, father, they're separated, family, friends, relatives, teachers, everybody, 
discourages her in going forward in the things of God. That's difficult. That's challenging. And it's a very young person. She's about 13 years old now. But the Lord has helped her, and she's continuing on. And the Lord has, in her life, fulfilled his word when the Lord says that he knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, out of trouble, trials. The Lord will preserve his people. And I pray that the Lord would do this in her life, that she'd become a mighty witness against all ungodliness, and that she would be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is still in the business of saving souls. That is why he hasn't come yet, because the number of the church has not been fulfilled yet and complete. And so, please remember us in your prayers, this work, the witness of our children in their different circumstances. It is the best way to reach out to in our land. When people do get to know you, they... Uh, you have a testimony before them. They, they, there is some time when they've been able to observe you, and they recognize that there is something good, something to be desired. And I hope our, our life is such a testimony, that our life is a testimony of the power of the gospel in the life of a man or a woman. The Lord changes lives. And that others will be attracted to the faith that we have because of our testimony. I know we have failed many times, and we all do, and it's not what it ought to be. But we thank the Lord. Uh, Like his old servant John Newton, we are not, once we what we once were, and that the Lord has saved us and has gone before us and has done great things for us. And if we have encouraged by our testimony others to seek the Lord and we've been able to bring them to the Lord, it is a great joy. So continue to pray for this witness. There are about 20 people that meet now. We have meetings twice on the Lord's Day, morning and evening. We have a midweek meeting, and then we sometimes have some special meetings But we have a faithful band of people, some new people that have been coming even in recent months. We're very thankful for that because of our webpage and sermon audio. So there's a presence there as well. And and there have been people who have contacted us because of that and have been encouraged uh, by the ministry. So we pray that the Lord would help us as we continue to proclaim his word in this very needy land. I also want to bring greetings from our church wherever uh, I'm visiting. They all send their greetings in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for this work. They, they perceive this work as their home church as well. And uh, they pray for your pastor, uh, Dr. Saunders. They pray for you. And they pray for the free church, for our denomination. And... We as a family also thank you, this whole congregation, for your prayerful and practical support and for helping us to come here and visit you and renew fellowship. It's a great blessing to us, and we are very thankful to the Lord for preparing this time after many years now. And 
We have delighted in the fellowship we've had with all of you. Well, let us turn to the Lord's Word right now, and we will read from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. If you could turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we will read from verse 8, reading the Lord's word, reading in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, And the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And I will just read one other verse, very well-known verse. You don't have to look it up. I think you all know it from memory. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. May the Lord bless the reading of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, holy, eternal word. Let us bow for a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy holy word. And we pray that thou would bless it to our hearts. Blessed to our souls, speak to us, we pray. And may we meet with thee this evening in the house of prayer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The occasion we read of here in Nehemiah 8 that we cut into this portion is one when Ezra the priest reads from the law of God before a great congregation upon the first of the seventh month, which was the Feast of Trumpets, and with other men of God appointed for this task, expounds the scripture. And the result is that the people weep. There is much mourning and weeping when the people hear the law of God. The people have been in captivity. There's a realization of all the sins and failures, a realization of the poor state of the nation and the poor state of the church, and it is heavy upon them, and they weep. And we 
read, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. I read these words because when you look around and you consider the state of the nations and you consider the state of this nation, which had so much of the gospel, and you consider the state of Great Britain and the United States, and then I consider the condition of our country, it's desperate, it would make you weep, and it should make you weep and grieve. And if we are not grieving, then you have to wonder if there's any spiritual sensitivity and recognition of what is happening. If we are not weighed down by the evil and the spread of sin in our lands. Nevertheless, Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites teach the people of God that this day is a holy day unto the Lord. It's in verse 9. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And in verse 10. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so, Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the Levites, God's men at the time, encourage the people and exhort the people, admonish the people. There's a time for mourning, but this is a holy day. And you ought to rejoice in the Lord. The day is holy unto the Lord. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. There was a need for this admonishment and this exhortation that these people would have the joy of the Lord. And we need to be reminded of that. In a day of grief, need to be reminded to rejoice in the Lord. Because the people that remain in sorrow, in grief, cannot overcome, cannot go forward. That is very true, isn't it? When you're grieving, there's a heaviness. You lack any energy, any strength, any any resolve. You're weak. You cannot be victorious in battle, in struggle, in in difficulty. You cannot overcome the enemy. In other words, if you do not have the joy of God's salvation, you will not be able to go forward. Now, firstly, I want to consider that the joy of the Lord 
can only come after sorrow. That's very important. The joy of the Lord can only come after sorrow. Sorrow must be first. You cannot know the joy of the Lord if you haven't first sorrowed, wept over your own sin. The Lord Jesus Christ, the very beginning of his ministry, said, Repent and believe the gospel. We can say, the Lord Jesus said, weep and believe and rejoice. First, there must be a weeping. When the Lord Jesus gave the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee who went to the temple to pray, the Pharisee was very satisfied with himself. Probably was pretty happy very superficial. He had no knowledge of God. We know that because we know who went home justified. The other man was not justified. He was lost, even though he was an expert in the things of God. Just had knowledge. And much of it very confused. But the tax collector came and smote his breast. He beat himself in the breast, expressing the the misery of his life. And pleaded that the Lord would be merciful unto him. The word is really the word for propitiation. That the Lord would be a propitiation. And the Lord Jesus said that he went home, he went down to his house justified. And because he was justified, he was rejoicing. If you know you had your sins forgiven, you will leap for joy. It cannot be any other way. We have the Ethiopian eunuch who was saved The Lord spoke to his heart. There was much confusion as he was reading Isaiah 53. But Philip drew to the chariot and expounded the Lord's word to him. And the Ethiopian looked to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And we have those special words at the end of that whole encounter. When he was saved and baptized, he professed salvation, his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip made him do that. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, there's nothing that hinders that you be baptized. And he said, I believe. He was baptized. And we read that he went away rejoicing. Rejoicing. The joy of the Lord can only come after sorrow, after weeping and grieving over your own sin. 
But we don't stay there. The Lord delivers us and gives us victory. There's a great verse in Romans 14. And again, in in every part of God's word, you see the perfection of everything in the word of God. Everything is perfect. Only God can be the author of the scriptures. The order of verses, the order of words in a verse, it's of God. When, when you would reorder something, and you wonder in your own mind why things are in this order, it, it would make more sense if it was maybe in a slightly different order. You're missing something. Again, I remember the Lord's servant, Martin Lloyd-Jones, addressing that very issue. He just marveled at the, the perfection of the structure of everything. When he sometimes wondered why certain things, even on the Sermon on the Mount, were in the order that they were, he eventually recognized the perfection of that order. And that's just the way it is, and you marvel. There's a verse in Romans 14, and think about this Wonderful order. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. No ceremony. It's not about ritual. It's not about any ceremony. But the substance, the the fundamental issue is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And you think of that order. It's, It's exactly the way it is. First, Righteousness. To be made righteous. Justified by faith alone. Without that, there's no peace. And then there's peace. And when you have peace with God, then you have joy. And if you don't have joy, there's a problem with everything. The old... Evangelist Billy Sunday said, it's a quote from him, a Christian, if, if you don't have joy in your religion, there's a leak somewhere. Now, that's very true. And maybe this is something that convicts us. It, it convicts me in many ways. Sometimes you're downcast. And I mentioned the circumstances in our society. There are many things that would make you very downcast and things, the state of the church and things that would make you very sad and sorry and make you mourn. And there is a time for mourning. But above all that is rejoicing in the Lord always. Always. And just so we don't forget it, the Lord says, and again I say, rejoice. Again I say it. When the Lord Jesus was with his disciples and in those last days he spoke of his death and then he spoke of his betrayal by one of them and the disciples were heavy. And you can imagine how unsettled they were. That's where the 14th chapter of John begins. Let not your hearts be troubled. 
Ye believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. Rejoice. The day is coming when you will be with me forevermore. Always remember that. That's a great encouragement. That's a great encouragement, believer. Are you rejoicing in the Lord today? The joy of the Lord can only come after sorrow. Have you known that sorrow, grief over your own sin? Have you confessed that to the Lord? Have you called unto his name that ye might be saved? If you have, you have peace with God and you have joy in the Holy Ghost. You have been justified, you have peace with God, and you have joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, secondly, the joy of the Lord, I would say to you today, is the duty of a Christian. That sounds strange in the context of joy. You know, we have certain duties, and people recognize those things as certain musts, but they're not exactly what I would wish to do. That's what I think of usually, what man thinks of as a duty. There are holy duties, and they are the the delight of a believer. Is God's law your delight? A saved man or woman delights in the things of God, in his law. The Apostle Paul says that he delighted after the law of God in the inward man. Is that your delight? People love the word freedom in the church today, and that for them means they can do whatever they please. That's not what freedom is. Freedom, and we read of it so clearly in the epistle to the Romans, is being delivered from being a servant of sin. And being made a servant of righteousness, that's freedom. That we can serve God, that there is a new heart and a new mind. And we delight in the things of God. Now again, I say, the joy of the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, is a duty. It is a command. And it is a matter of the will. Have you, before God, decided for God Joshua, when he is nearing the end of his life, lays that question before the people. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is this matter of the will. Now, many would wonder then if it's a duty and, well, I must do this. So I will do it, but is it really 
genuine. Isn't that a bit artificial? I said in the other places where I preached, listen to me. If it's artificial, start praying fast. Fall on your knees and may the Lord stir your heart that it would be a love flowing towards the Lord, that there would be a joy in your heart, a genuine desire after God. May you have fear that perhaps it is artificial, that you don't know this joy. Then there's a big question about the state of your soul. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have your sins been forgiven? Fears of death taken away. Fears of various uncertainties. The things that uh, we find ourselves in. Things we cannot know. God gives you victory in all that. He's greater than all that. Rejoicing in him. To rejoice in the Lord is a duty, it is a command, and obey God and pour out your heart before him that he would give you a greater joy, a greater joy. The psalmist, when he sinned, and this is when joy is taken away, grief comes in sorrow, trouble. But David calls unto the Lord, and what does he say? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Have you lost joy in your life? Call unto the Lord to restore the joy of his salvation. It's a wonderful thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. No matter how grievous the circumstances are and weep over them. But in your heart there is an overflowing joy. I thank the Lord that I have that joy. It's the Lord's doing. Probably don't look like it, maybe, maybe too often. Maybe I look very serious. But I, I have joy. There are serious times we live in. You all understand me. But we must have joy. You know, the modern church is all about feelings. Feelings go this way and that way, brother. Don't trust my feelings. Trust the Lord. The Lord commands us to, husbands, love your wives. We have much divorce in the church because people don't obey the Lord. That's a command, love your wife. That's uh, fading a bit? Start praying. Get serious about your relationship to God and everything flows out of that. Are you going to complain that you don't feel like obeying any of the Ten Commandments? Think about that. If, If people would address those issues in the same way, The Lord says, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. I I don't really feel like that. Do you say that? 
May there be a desire to obey the Lord. A heart's desire. Otherwise, it's all just show. I emphasize again, the joy of the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord is a duty for the Christian. The Lord commands us to rejoice in him always. May we know that joy. May it flow from a heart which has a great love for the Lord and is ever grateful for what he has done. But finally, the joy of the Lord is a source of strength. And I really started with that. If you don't have the joy of God's salvation, you will not be able to go forward. The true source of strength is not physical, but spiritual. It is not physical muscle that makes you strong. Ultimately, it's the state of your soul before God. If you are saved, if you delight in the Lord, if the creator of heaven and earth is your father, what sort of strength, energy should you have? What sort of jump in your step? It's a source of strength. It helps in overcoming everything. We think of temptations. That made me think of um, Eve. When she sinned and took of the forbidden fruit. You can imagine the scenario, and I want you to think about this. The devil comes... And paints a different picture. Oh, has God not allowed you this fruit? That's too bad. You're missing out. You can't experience full joy, satisfaction. I wouldn't worry about it so much. You know, the reason God is not allowing you is because you will be like him. And Eve, because there was a lack of joy in God's salvation, a, a, a satisfaction in the Lord, sinned. If you rejoice in the Lord, you will overcome sin and temptation. It is a source of strength to the believer. Because the true source of strength is not in some physical strength. But it is when the heart and the mind have been changed and there's a great faith in the omnipotent God. Our Father. And then there are no boundaries 
My grandfather was such a man. He was an example of that, of, of that limitless, boundless faith in the Lord. I wish that for each one of us. Because if you are downcast, if you are in sorrow, if you are constantly weeping and grieving, you will be weak and you're vulnerable. Praise the Lord that in this portion we read, when the people were admonished, and that must be an encouragement to us, that should stir us up as well, to take hold of this word. The word that comes to them is, For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. The time for sorrow and soriness and grief is over. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace. For the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions. And they were strengthened in the faith. And to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. I pray that the Lord will give you understanding of this word today. In your own heart. That you would take hold of it for yourself and rejoice in the Lord. There might be all sorts of trouble in your family. But God is greater than that. And he will give you deliverance and you will overcome through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. No other recipe, no other method. Look to Christ in faith. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we read, as we read this chapter on to the very end, in verse 17 in Nehemiah we read, and there was very great gladness. Isn't that wonderful? At the end of this whole chapter. If you've lost some of that joy, maybe much of that joy of the Lord today, pray with the psalmist that the joy of the Lord would be restored unto you, that the joy of his salvation would be restored. And in another portion in the Psalms, and it's amazing to to read uh, how much the word of God says about joy. And in the Psalms, how much we read about joy. I know this is a favorite verse of your pastor. Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. That is truth, my friend. And if you don't know the Lord, you cannot know true joy. If you don't know him today, call unto him today. That you do not have to remain in sorrow, in grief, or some sort of false joy. Because it's false. If you think you have some joy, and you're outside of the Lord... You're deceived. That will all fade away and quickly. It is only in the presence of God 
and in God's salvation in Christ that you can have joy, a fullness of joy, joy everlasting. May the Lord help us to rejoice in him every day. May his name be glorified in our midst. And we will close with the singing of a hymn, which we will sing with our boys, with my sons, to the glory of God. It is number 627 in your hymnals. And I'd like to turn your attention to that. I hope that this hymn will forever be a reminder even of this message. It's been a hymn that's been a great encouragement for a number of years to me by God's great servant, John Newton. What a man he was. I, I gather what sort of a man he was by his hymns. Wonderful hymn. And we have some great hymns. Of course, Amazing Grace, the most well-known hymn. But other hymns by this servant of the Lord. This is one of the great hymns, 627. Let me read these stanzas before we will sing. Rejoice, believer in the Lord, who makes your cause his own. The hope that's built upon his word can never be overthrown. Though many foes beset your road, and feeble is your arm, and it is. Your life is hid with Christ in God beyond the reach of harm. Weak as you are, and we are weak. You shall not faint, or fainting shall not die. For Jesus strengthens every saint with power from on high. Though unperceived by mortal sense. And that's the way it is. If you're not saved, you don't understand this. Though unperceived by mortal sense, faith sees him always near. A guide, a glory, a defense. Then what have you to fear? As surely as he overcame and triumphed once for you, so surely you that love his name shall triumph in him too. What a wonderful hymn. What a great encouragement. May the Lord bless it to our hearts. We will sing the first four stanzas, and then I would ask you all to stand for the fifth stanza and sing with us. We will close with that fifth stanza, and then Dr. Saunders will close in prayer. So I'll call our boys up here now.
short little introduction and join us for the last stanza. folks as we close our meeting in prayer and I want to thank our brother for sharing the word tonight and uh, it was a blessing to my own heart that is a great scripture to rest on and great truth and as he emphasized the joy of the world is something totally different from what the Lord is meaning here and the deep settled peace that we have in Christ is the most meaningful thing that we can possess. And I want to thank our brother for sharing that with us tonight. I hope you'll not rush away. Uh, they'll, the family will be around and able to talk and chat uh, with you. And if the Lord has been speaking to your heart tonight about your own soul's need, then don't rush away. Stay behind and we'll be happy to speak with you and just show you from God's truth how you can know absolutely clearly what it means to have a personal living relationship with Christ. Let's bow please in prayer. Father, we do give thanks tonight for the work that you have established in the Czech Republic for calling our dear brother and his family. But many years ago, and dear Lord, we're thankful for all that has been accomplished. And we will not know, Lord, until eternity, the souls that will be in glory. And we will rejoice one with another in the great work of the gospel. Continue to pour out your blessing upon them. Let them know the peace and happiness and prosperity in the gospel and in the expansion of the ministry, Lord, for the honor of our precious Savior. Dear Lord, I pray tonight as we all join in prayer for any who do not know Christ tonight, may the peace of God flood their soul, and may they come to know what it means to have sins forgiven and peace with God. And Father, if there is a Someone here tonight, perhaps cold in heart, maybe backslidden away from, from the Savior. Please speak on to them. Let them come to the power line of joy and rejoicing. And so, Father, hear our prayer, receive our worship and our praise, and part us now in thy fear with thy rich blessing. For we ask all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.